My name is Joseph L. Flatley, and I'm a journalist who specializes in conspiracy theories and French culture. Over the years, I've met cultists and occultists, flat earthers, and doomsday bunker salesmen, to name only a few. One thing I hear often is that the end of the world is near, and these days, you have to wonder if there might be some truth to that. My new podcast is called Failed State Update. Through interviews and original reporting, each episode asks the question, is the world ending, or does it just seem like it is? Think of it as fresh air for the Orwellian dystopia we've suddenly found ourselves in. Available now on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is Joseph Flatley, and you are listening to episode six of The So-Called Prophet from Pittsburgh. After this, we have two more episodes, and they are not done yet. So I thought I'd try a little something different. We're going to play an extended interview with with a person named David. He doesn't want us to use his last name. At the time of the interview in uh, spring of 2019, he was 45. And he was in the community in the GCCA from 1999 until 2009. And uh, you'll hear more of David's story uh, next week when we pick up the the investigation. Thanks for listening. Especially from the people that we've talked to have found themselves in situations where they're, you know, sharing their husband or their wife and they never thought they would be doing that before. So, you know, 20 years later, you know, let's put on our Nikes and drink the Kool-Aid and yeah. jump on the comet. Yeah, it's a compelling topic that's, that is important to um, expose Mm-hmm. To keep to keep it in check to some, right. as much as possible because right. it can even like Jim Jones for example was a social activist uh, oh, yeah. early on in the career I mean it seemed like they were doing good church. stuff yeah. they yeah. they were really with the people really with poor people helping it seemed like mm-hmm. really helping out yeah. for years and years and years mm-hmm. and and any organization could do that for years and years and years and then something happens or the leader in leadership goes a little wonky or they. You know, it goes off the rails and gets really pressured and, right. you know, makes bad decisions and are legal, makes mm-hmm. money, and yeah, it gets... Anyways. Yeah. Okay, so, um, we are recording. Okay. And uh, what was your cosmic name when you were in the group? My cosmic name was Alvid. How do you spell that? A-L-V-E-E-D. And um, how did you find out about the group and end up joining? Well, I was invited to do a garden internship in, at the Tree of Life Center in southern Michigan, or southern uh, Arizona, down in Patagonia. And when I arrived there, um, things didn't work out there, going through some transition, so I was looking for another place, and I, I really wanted, I felt a calling to get into gardening and really get into the earth, get my fingers in the earth and get grounded out in that way. And, and so I went... Um, looking, and I found an article in Communities Directory for the community in Sedona. 
and it said organic gardening and stuff. So I, I called them up and, um, they said, I said, yeah, come on up. And, and then within a week I went up and, and, uh, had a meeting, did an interview and said, that's what I'm looking for. And at that time I wasn't, I wasn't looking for any type of spiritual community. I didn't know what was going on there except in their description, you know, they, I'm sure it said spiritual community or something, but it said organic gardening and, and natural lifestyle or, or whatever it said. And so that was my focus when I then did a meeting, they said, well, we study this book, the Urantia book. And, and I said, I said, honestly, I'm not interested in reading any more books. I've had enough. And they, and, um, it was Marita seen in the office. She said, well, this is what we do. And so you, we do have classes and stuff. And I said, okay, fine. You know, I'll check it out. And you know, I am a curious, you know, open person. So I, you know, looked into that and started reading it. But my main purpose and drive was to learn how to garden and get into organic gardening at first. Yeah. And uh, what was your educational background? I have a dual degree in comparative religion and Western philosophy from Western Michigan University. Um, in your education, did you see a lot about like new religious movements or any of the things that would kind of relate to what Gabriel was doing? Yeah, some. So that that's part of what actually kept me there for so long is my whole adult life then I've been on pursuit of um, meaning, truth, and natural philosophers. So a love of wisdom and in all traditions worldwide. So I've traveled, I've traveled all over and lived with a variety of um, people from different religions. I've lived with Sikhs and Muslims and grew up Christian, Presbyterian. I live with Buddhists and, and I've participated in their ceremonies and prayers and, and um, went to their different temples and mosques and, and so forth. And I'm, I'll continue to do that my whole life. I'm very interested in, in comparative religion and, and philosophies and history also just ties right in with that. So part of the interest in the community was kind of that part of me as an observer learning. Um, I'm fascinated with belief systems. I'm fascinated with human psychology. And, and there you go. It was a great bubble to observe and study that. So what was the kind of child-rearing, child raising philosophy of the group and how is it different than kind of what you have outside of the group? Well, let's see. I mean, it, the community is really, um, there, there's, so a lot of the community beliefs I didn't completely acquiesce to. They, they have, they're very alternative to mainstream in, in every way. And, and I am too, in a lot of ways, but I didn't agree with the, their, uh, for one example, their viewpoint that the world outside the community was just a fallen world and, um, there's no hope or worth to be out there, you know, living your lives or, you know, going through the motions, whatever. Uh, you know, I have lots of friends and family out of the community that I knew were good people and, and doing good. And so raising the children like that, um, with, uh, you know, in a bubble with, uh, with, you know, not interacting with the outside world, um, is one, one part that it doesn't prepare the children for dealing with the outside world. If they ever leave, for example, 
they're very much, um, the beliefs are insular. So, um, what they're doing is, is it, it's the best thing possible. And, um, you know, they, they think they've got it figured out and how to raise kids into, you know, godly beings. And they have all the information that the children need. Gabriel would give information about children and, what their soul is all about or, you know, what they, how they need to be treated and raised too. So that's another kind of quirk of within the community. How did, how does uh, just the kind of the raising of the children on that basic family level differ or does it differ from? Yeah, a lot different. Um, not, not necessarily that much different from um, other spiritual communities you know if you went and looked at a whole bunch of you know Amish and um, you know different uh, kibbutz communities in Israel and uh, you know all sorts of did a spectrum you'd find a lot of similarities I'm sure but it's farm and homeschool and kind of you know uh, intentional community living so a lot of co-parenting and these kind of things so there were good aspects of that like you would find in a whole lot of these spiritual kind of communities the you know, the difficulties and, and kind of controversial things, again, not necessarily unique to that community, but, um, you know, problematic. I mean, raising children, period, is challenging and difficult. Where, wherever you're doing it, mainstream, modern world, it's it's challenging. Then single parenting, I've been single parent for 10 years, challenging. In the community, yeah, they um, they they really mix it up, so they take kids away from parents. Well, first of all, they, they divide, they um, section everything off really, really strongly. So people keep to themselves and keep in their own areas and zones and out of other people's business. So even if we were friends in the community, for example, something's going on with with your children and then you'd be having meetings in private and it would get, you know, you know, your scenario, you get moved to a different house or this or that. I might not know anything that's going on with that unless I'm, you know, living right there with, with you and asked to be some part of it. Like I'm helping to watch your child. And then I'm asked to, you know, take him on these nights and give you more of a break. You're going to have more space or live somewhere else. So definitely, um, dividing parents and, and kids up in different ways, having children, um, parented by other adults and sometimes separated and some, sometimes really not allowed. Like my son at a certain point before we left was not allowed to, to stay over in the house where his mom lived. And, um, you know, so a, a lot of different reasons they would do these kind of things. I, I was the caregiver for d- different people's kids at different times. Um, so, a lot of variance from in different scenarios with parents and families kind of all over the board, how they would do things. So, you know, when people think of communes, they think of communities, you know, they think of like one big group. We're all into this together, kind of egalitarian, Mm -hmm. but you're really describing a very stratified kind of set, you know, community where, people are kind of isolated from each other in different little, mm-hmm. you know, units. I don't know what you would call it. I mean, there's a whole, I mean, the, the community has been in existence 
since 89, technically they say they founded it then. So it's really evolved and changed over the years. So I can't comment on what happened before I got there, only what I heard. Can't comment on what's happened after I left. But while I was there, I saw a lot of changes. And in part, what I saw change is going from, uh, you know, looser to stricter and stricter and and stricter. So more and more delineations and divisions and segmented out and more and more, um, you know, you could call them like committees or areas of function, more and more kind of drilled down on um, compartmentalizing and and to, uh, to a T, like right down, there wasn't any real areas in the community, like year by year, that, that weren't um, kind of... Uh, yeah, separated and organized in certain ways. So everyone knew their roles and how they related and what they were supposed to do and their duties and functions. And, you know, including then parenting and with kids and schedules. And there was not a lot of loose or almost no, if any, like really loose room to make your decisions of how you live your life. And so in terms of in terms of a whole kind of communal um, overarching energy that sure it's there but we weren't all the community isn't wasn't doing everything together um just kind of like in a helpful way jumping in and seeing where needs were it was really kind of regimented and kind of and figured out and would constantly shift and change so if you got settled into an area or into a home in a routine then it would be changed, you know, so often that it kind of kept people, kept people discombobulated in some ways. If you if you couldn't just continue to flow and and flex with that, and that's part of, you know, that's a common trait in cult like um, cult cults. Period is is really keeping people so uh, so regimented on their schedules and. Um, you know, changing their lives around so much constantly that they can't think straight or, or uh, kind of get settled into a space where they can really uh, step back and see what's going on. You know, constant change like that until being told what to do and next thing and more responsibilities, you know, heaped on them and so forth. I got my hands on like a pile of documents related to the group, like, um, memos from you know gabriel or neon to different people and like instructions for just i was just really struck by how so many things that we take for granted in daily life like taking your shoes off before you go into the house or you know whether you put your vegetables in paper or plastic bags like was under the control of of the group and Gabriel had an opinion about it or Paladin had an opinion about it, you know, um, it was pretty, you know, it really speaks to what you're saying about everything being regimented and organized and the kind of mania for organization that the group had. Yeah. Things are really, are really controlled there. Controlled to a T. Yeah. Did you ever find yourself in a PRP program? I did get put on that at the end, and it's one of the things that allowed me to um, allowed me to leave. As they uh, they they put me on the program for reasons that 
weren't true. Some things, some things happened and then told me, came to me and told me what happened. And I said, no, no, let me clarify this, this, this. And they didn't, uh, they didn't listen to me and then put me on this program. Then they, um, two in leadership. And so it certainly came down from, from, uh, Gabriel, because everything gets okayed by him on, on these levels, they tried to extort money from my parents. They asked me to send a letter from my parents telling them what had happened and asking them for $14,500 to pay for this program. That allowed me to see things more clearly and that if they're doing it to me, they must be doing it to other people and that um, I was able to ask Mariah and Trente was the other one in charge of my program that I was meeting with, I was able to ask them directly, like, what does this money go for? Because I said, I'm still managing, I'm in a foreman position over the whole gardens. I'm still managing visitors and guests and community members that come every day with their schedules. I'm still, um, still the primary caregiver over my son. Like, nothing in my life has changed responsibility-wise except um, I'm having a meeting, a one-hour meeting every week. And so what does the money go towards? And she just, in that meeting, just looked at me and said, I think we'll end the meeting here. Um, what kind of preparations did you have to do, um, you know, in your head, but also practically over that year to make your escape? Yeah, it was the most intense and hardest year of my life. I had to unravel my uh, belief systems and guilt about leaving, you know, loyalty. They put a lot of stress on loyalty and that, you know, you're called and this is what you're supposed to do. This is your destiny. That's a big loaded, big, heavy kind of thing there. This is what you're supposed to do. So I had to unravel that. Luckily, I had the background I had with comparative religion and other systems and stuff that I knew there was a lot more out in the world. Other people in the community that don't have that background, it's like all they know. So for them to unravel that psychologically and emotionally, I mean, a lot more difficult. It's unique for everyone, but I had to go through that. And early on then, I um, so it went through this inward processing and meditating and praying and reflecting on it, what that could look like, and, and worked through that. And I never got any feeling or any sense that I was going against God or or doing the wrong thing, that, that, that I needed to do that. I had seen enough over the years and enough problems, and especially I knew that was unethical and, and wrong extortion and that pressure on me and and then against my son and against my family outside of the community, that disrespect and so forth. Um, so that it was time to time to move on. So then, then I I I had to I began a series of um, private and secret communications. Luckily, I, I had a relative on the outside that some different relatives and people I knew that helped me, and I got in touch with a lawyer in Tucson, and I arranged a. I mean, it was some of the most difficult things I've ever done in life. I had to arrange a, a meeting in secret. I had to get off the property and to go meet with him. Get, so get permission to get off the property, go meet with him in private. Um, and so one of the first questions that we talked about was um, my son. And I said, I said to the lawyer, I said, 
I, I can't take my son. He said, what's your plan with your son? I said, I, well, I, he has to stay because his mom's in the community. And, you know, how could I take him from the community? And he said, well, what's your plan with custody after that? And I said, well, we'll go to court and I'll, yeah, I'll seek to have parental rights and share custody and so forth. And he said, well, how are you going to, how are you going to tell the judge that you feel, um, that you, that you want to have custody and that he, um, shouldn't stay in the community full time with his mother if you leave him there when you go. I said, well, you know, it's pretty safe for a five-year-old, you know, it's, but he said, still, my point is if you leave him there, then the judge is going to say you felt safe enough that he could be there. Like why, you know, why should he not stay there with his mom and everybody that he grew up with? So I realized, oh my gosh, that I, I need to take my son if I'm going to argue that I need to have parental rights instead of leaving him because then the the argument, again, the argument would be from their side as he left. He got, what a terrible father. He just left his son. He ran away, you know. So I said, oh my God, this is, um, this is even a bigger deal that I have to figure out how to take my son out and I can't speak with his mother about it. And, um, How'd you end up back in uh, Michigan? Well, yeah, so we went through all these legal proceedings, um, mediation, then court for custody. Um, I had uh, over 10 community members testify against me in the court case. They mostly testified for his mother. Um, so it wasn't a whole bunch of dirt on me. They, you know, they didn't really have anything on me. Um, but So I prevailed in that, and we had a joint... In custody. I lived not far from the community. Purposely, I moved up to Green Valley, you know, half an hour north, so that so that my son could see his continue to see his mother. I didn't I didn't leave because of his mother. She's not a terrible person. I left because of circumstances and the the uh, um, my unfolding understanding about the cult nature and Gabriel and extortion and so forth. Um, but I wanted my son to see his mother. I wanted that, that was important. Um, so I had custody, so we did shared custody for a period. Then my son started, he, he started saying things that concerned me that I, I could see were things said to him. He came and told me, um, he, he started expressing anger, and understandably, it's a tough situation. I took him from his mother, but he said, I left, I ran away from eldership, I didn't want to listen to eldership, and that I'm running away from God, and so these weren't his own thoughts, I knew that these are from his mother or other people, so I talked with him about that, he was experiencing more confusion then, and so legally, um, you know, it gets into these uh, legal matters with, uh, you know, talking to kids in those circumstances and disparaging other, it came out then that I was being disparaged, he eventually came. Um, I had a partner then, after a bit, that moved in with us, and she came to me one day and said, uh, I need to talk with you about something that your son has confided in me with, and and I feel concerned and bad about this because it's going to change our relationship forever, but we have to talk. And he, so my son had gone to her and confided that that she couldn't trust me. I was a liar, so forth, and said, "Oh my gosh, this is what he's being programmed with." So we need to, we need to address this 
ASAP. So I contacted a child psychologist, hired a child psychologist to meet with my son and interview him. His mother found out uh, right before the meeting and and spoke with him and and headed it off so that he clamped up and um, wouldn't talk too much with a psychologist. But he did get some observations out of that 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 we went back to court with and filed for relocation. I realized that I've got to go farther away from this community that that this is happening. He also, my son was told, I don't know all that he was told, but what he shared then with my partner, what came out was he said um, that that so Amadon, the son of Gabriel, came to my son and told him that Pladin told said for my son to stand up to me that I was going against God and uh, basically to rebel against me and that I was a liar and so forth. This is like being told, you know, that God has come and spoken and 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 so then, you know, my son was confused about that. I so I filed and and then he went against my partner who previously he had he had related to like a new mother, a second mother, and had a beautiful relationship. So then he came back, a, you know, a little later and said that she's the court's little reporter. Obviously not his own thoughts because I never mentioned court once to him. He had no idea from my side that his mother and I were going to courts. So illegal activity to um, talk to your the child about this kind of stuff. Yeah, would you would you say that would you characterize it as like manipulating or, oh, or for sure. messing with his mind. It's or? mind control. It's manipulation. It's, it's outright lie lying to a innocent child, five-year-old child. I mean, they don't have their own, you know, hardly what they can di- uh, distinguish between, you know, truth and falsity that they just trust their, and I mean, at that age he trusted all adults around him. He never had any experiences to not trust by that age. So we went back to court. Again, they had over 10 community members testify against me and, and um, the community um, psychologist, Mariah, testified, and she tried to slander me and um, created a false diagnosis of of me that I had never heard of before and, and we had never talked of once in 10 years of counseling and so forth. So, so you're saying that Mariah testified yep. as your therapist or as your counselor? Yep. So she, on stand, she, she lied. She created, she uh, manufactured a diagnosis. Do you remember and, what it was? Yeah. She said, I have a, a personal a narcissistic personality disorder and I mean, my lawyer just, we looked at each other and he said, but doesn't everyone have something like that? But I had never heard of that before and Mariah had never said it. So the judge actually ruled, I mean, the judge rolled her eyes because Mariah said other things. Anyways, I I was granted permission to relocate to Michigan where I'm from and where have relatives and, and friends and so far. So that's how I ended up back here in 2011. How old is your son? He's almost 16 now. How's he doing? Does he like Michigan? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's caught up in the whole teenage world, but he likes his high school here. You live in an intentional community now. Mm-hmm. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that and 
you know, why you've made this choice and how it's different than what you were in before. Yeah. I, I'm, I believe in community. I, I, my whole adult life, I've sought community and built community and lived within a variety of different kind of community settings, um, both secular and different spiritual groups. So I, I, I've experienced a kind of a wide array of, of what that looks like here in community and is here where I live presently is co-housing, which is a real, um, kind of safe and standard and legal model now that comes from Europe and, and is becoming more popular across the nation because it's gone through, um, it's had a process for some decades now of going through, um, county, state, county, township kind of ordinances and laws and figuring out how, um, it relates legally and how it's accepted. So they're officially condominiums and, and, um, yeah, so pretty, let's see, as I was sharing earlier, pretty mild form of community. So, um, as much commitment as, and energy as you really want to put into it. Some people just live here as a condominium apartment and other people really are really active and having work days and, events and so forth. I love community though. I believe in the village kind of model that we lack so much in this culture. And I've lived in different places. I've traveled in the world on five continents and seen a lot of different, more communal and more, um, you know, village like settings and neighborhoods and people that, uh, know each other and help each other. And, and this was what I believe in. So I'll always, you know, be connected or live in different forms of community in my life. The, uh, Gabriel experience didn't sour you to communal life or no, it was really informative and really, it was a really, um, helpful experience in a whole lot of ways. Now I, I grew and have come to understand human belief systems, human psychology and limitations of human nature and, and so forth in a much more thorough and clear way to live the rest of my life through this. And I know what community takes and how hard it is and how, you know, human ego and power and you know, control issues, how they come into everything and, and how challenging that is and difficult it is to deal with in community models and people in general. So yeah, it brought me a lot more awareness around, um, spiritual teachers and leadership and, and community styles and, and so forth, you know, the problems that we had there and, and what works and doesn't, you know, but it doesn't scare me off from community period or spirituality or, you know, a lot of things. I'm able to kind of sift through that now. This is Joseph L. Flatley, and you are listening to The So-Called Prophet from Pittsburgh. If you want to check me out on Instagram or Twitter, uh, my, my username is at PGHProfit. Or if you don't like social media, you can also reach me through my webpage at LennyFlatley.net.